You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin, Tatiana King-Jones, and Jeff J. Our show is edited and produced by DJ Ben Amin, and For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website, are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the For All Nerd Show. The podcast where we discuss geek culture according to people of color. And as always, it's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Charlie Brownish, a.k.a. Lightwork Yagami, Method Man, Splanny, Meat and Millhouse, Arsenio Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Benny and the Jetsons reading Rambro here on the spaceship tonight. <laughs> what a clown. And as always, I'm joined by Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Sean Jean-Luc Picard, Chance the Parapper, Aaron Yeagerbaum, E. Honda Civic, Dame Diner Dash, Stone Cold Steve Lawson, V for Def Jam Vendetta, J. Prince of All Saints, and Dora the Explorer Milliche. Nice. Very nice. Welcome, Tatiana. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, man. I'm not sick. I'm not tired. Mm-hmm. Well rested. Well yep. fed. I, I feel pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Cause I'm I'm definitely none of those. I am definitely <laughs> exhausted. A little bit under the weather, but I made it. You know, we got a big episode today. It's a Yo. massive one. We back. You know, as usual. Yeah. With that heat and that fire, so I had to be here for it. You know, but we got a lot of stuff before we get into all that. Yes. You know, we got some other things to talk about. And speaking of heat and fire. Rise of the Skywalker. Bro! The latest or last of the Star Wars original nine films dropped a huge spread in Vanity Fair. If, you, if People who are big fans of Star Wars, this is like something we look forward to every time mm-hmm. is the Vanity Fair spread. Like every time they had these ill-ass Vanity Fair, uh, I think it's Annie Lebowitz or Annie whatever. Lebowitz, the legendary. The legendary who does the photos every time. And I actually have the collection of Vanity Fair from, I think it's from... um before the Force Awakens dropped. So it had all of the old, like the Bat from um, Phantom Menace and all those spreads. It had all of them in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's really nice when you see these spreads over the years because, you know, yeah. Annie's like a, such a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her photos are, like the photo of Finn and Jana to me looks like a fucking painting. And that's what I was going to say. Like her, the way her style is very artistic and it's almost like a fresco. Yeah. Like it kind of has that feel, even though these are these are live action quote unquote pictures. They're, as you mentioned, they're like painting. It's her and saturation of color, the contrast. Beautiful. All these things she does. It's just, I mean, she's she, a fucking beast. She makes people of all races and hues and all that stuff just look immaculate. You ever seen a picture of Arnold on the horse that she did? No. Arnold's horse. Schwarzenegger, he's like on a white horse. I don't. I think he's wearing pants, but no shirt, and he got this big ass cigar, and he, just, you know, it's Arnold, you know, that was definitely under direction, yeah. Annie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just Arnold on this horse with no shirt, and he's like pants. It's, I mean, 
all her shits are like just right. amazing. Well, like you said, this this spread came out from Vanity Fair, and it features um you know the the characters we know, and also nine new characters. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned one, which is also my favorite photo, which is of as you mentioned Finn and the new character Jana, yep. who. Most people are speculating to potentially be the daughter of um, uh, Lando, Lando Calrissian, yep. which would be incredible. And people have made that distinction because they feel because she's wearing that cape and she's wearing a yellow. She's wearing and similar she's black. colors. Let's be for and real, she's folks. black. <laughs> yes. I was trying not to go there, but you made Let's me go there. Let's be for real, folks. You know, this is Star Wars, so everybody got to be related to somebody. Oh, gosh. I yeah. mean, which, which is ridiculous. Because yes. once again, in, in a galaxy, <laughs> it's only the same, like, four black people. Um, shout out to the Dylan. Um, oh, no. Who responded. So wrong. Who commented on our Twitter. <laughs> he was just like, yo, the technology has evolved so much. There's more than one black person on screen. Ah, it's Star Wars. I can't even argue with him. Like, I can't. Oh, man. And much, uh, shout out to Young Gru because I had to hit him with the tweet, we back. Because, you know, I, I, you know, two black people on screen in Star Wars. I just want to see you and Young Gru argue. Again? Uh, just <laughs> about anything. We'll probably put it up on Patreon. Yeah. I just need to see this. We're going to bring that back very soon. We definitely got to have him on the show very soon. Because, you know, Star Wars, like, look, he's the big Tret fan. You know, Picard's teaser trailer dropped today. Discovery is killing it. I do not, you know, deny them that. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm still behind. I'm still so okay. behind. But you know how I feel about Star Trek in general. You know how I feel about Discovery. But you really, do you understand how I feel about Sh- Sean John? Not Sean John, yeah. but Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> I'm Sean John. Yes. But Jean-Luc Luke Picard. Picard. I can't even lie. I'm hype. I'm dumb hype for that shit. And, and new new, new uniforms, my guy. Like, you. <laughs> but. But, oh, you know, on the Star Wars side, we got this, which I'm hyped for Rise of the Skywalker. It, uh, in the Vanity Fair, they talk more about the plot. We learned that it's going to take place a year after the events of The Last Jedi. So Rey is going to be pretty much at her full power at this point, having done all her training, all her studying, yeah. learning her lessons. So we see that confident Rey even in the trailer when the uh, TIE fighter is flying at her, and yeah. she just straight does the bat flip over it without even seeing it coming. I was like, oh, I said, I said and I, oh. Yeah, and so Rey is, Rey is bossed up. It's... I'm now. This is my hope because J.J. Abrams said that when he did the Force Awakens, he felt like he had to make a Star Wars movie that was Star Wars. So that's why it apes, you know, the other Star Wars movies so much. That's why it's kind of a reach. Well, according to him, that, no, I remember, but I was I was annoyed by that. Yeah, see, I. I, I was annoyed, but at the same time, it was a cool movie. You know, it wasn't like... It was a still a good movie. It's yeah. just, I, I was annoyed. Like, yeah, we've seen he, this plot before. But to your point, no, that makes sense. If he was he was fearful, it and he was, like... And he might have been forced by the studio to be right. like, okay, we need to get this rolling again. Do what everybody wants. You know, yeah. just tell New Hope again. So now he's like, I can do my own movie, my own version. So I'm hoping that for once, J.J., because J.J. loves to be the nostalgia dude. That is J.J. Abrams. Like, yeah. he loves his nostalgia. So I'm hoping that he actually takes us in a new direction. Because my only fear is that we're going to see Return of the Jedi again. Because in Return of the Jedi, it's been some time since um, Empire Strikes Back. Luke, at the last one, gets his ass hit by Darth Vader. And then in the beginning of Return of the Jedi, Luke is this badass out of nowhere. Like, he's yeah. a Jedi master. And it was incredible but I don't need to see that again. So I don't need to see Ray suddenly come back. But I see we're already going to get that. We're going to get Ray fully powered up, which I'm yeah, fine that's with. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I mean, all I just don't want to see Return of the Jedi again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, one person I do want to learn a lot more about is Carrie Russell's character, Zori mm. Bliss. Because, yeah. What a name. Right. And then did you see the picture, though? <laughs> fire. Like the fucking fire-ass helmet. And the and first of all, I love seeing, and I believe she's a bounty Hunter, they say maybe, she's a scoundrel. They call it scoundrel, mask scoundrel, which means yeah, you could be a pirate, pirate yeah. slash bounty hunter slash 
Han Solo type. Whoever, right. Yep. But she has on this kind of badass uniform and, and is a woman. So I you know, I'm all into it. Um, and then, like we said, there, there's a bunch of other characters that are being brought into the fold. And, of course, I love the fact that you get to see, finally, you see Lando Calrissian, the, 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 the current form yes. of Lando Calrissian. So, oh, old man Lando. Old man Lando. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, Up in the Millennium Falcon. Yes. So I'm very much about it. And like I had mentioned when they first came back with this new iteration of Star Wars, mm-hmm. how I became a super fan because yep. I never was one before. I was always Star Trek only. But like this really made me go back into the lore, into the into the history of it, and then understand what, what every piece means, but at the same time take that and want to build new stories. So I'm happy to see more black people. I'm damn sure happy to see a black woman that's her face is not covered. She's not CGI. Like she's actually out chair. And as far as I see, she's on some cat shit. So hopefully we'll hopefully see. Hopefully she survives. Hopefully that's nothing. <laughs> I, I swear to God, if she has like two lines or dies immediately, it's a wrap for Star Wars and that whole crew and JJ Abrams and the rest of them. I don't care if you didn't write her dialogue. I don't care what your I don't care if you the grip. You could do the grip. I'm, I'm coming for you, it's nigga. Like grip. I'm coming for you. The key grip. Right. So uh, you know, I didn't it know is what, what the is. motherfuckers did for the longest. Yeah. Uh, but no. Um. I. <laughs> That's facts. Facts. I had to look up what a key grip does. Um. But what I would. I, there is one thing though. We gotta remember this is the last film. Just like Game of Thrones, there will be no more. According to these actors and according to the directors, there will be no adventures of Ray after this. There will be no adventures of Finn. This is it. Which is fine because there's a billion other Star Wars stories, including yes. the ones coming on Disney Plus. But there's a billion other Star Wars Star Wars stories to be found and yes. seen. There's a billion other ethnicities and races and stuff that we need to put into the fold or introduce. Like it's a blank, honestly. After, after, um, what was the movie? Went, 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 which one was it? Where Rogue One. Rogue One. Thank you. After Rogue One, literally opened up the doors to everything. All like types, which, yeah. man, everything was canon, meaning the fan fiction, the books, the TV, everything, cartoons. Once they did that, anything's possible. Anything is possible with Star Wars. Today I saw trending. Also, I guess because this dropped, uh, the Make Solo Two was trending. There seems to be some podcasts. I'll let you guess what the race of these you, podcasts was. You mean a sequel for the Han Solo standalone film that nobody wanted? Even though it was not a bad film, but not nobody wanted Not a bad film at all. But, nah, damn it, like we just said, this is the first time that, you know, we might have a black woman actually live through the end of Star Wars. Can we get a black woman leading a Star Wars film? Do we really need another Han Solo movie? Do we really? Like, I enjoyed it. Let's just say I enjoyed it, but it's just Dude like... is not Harrison Ford. Let's, let's put that on the table. Mm-hmm. The best part of it was probably uh, Donald Glover doing Lando. I, we still need that Lando film. I also, but I also like Harrison, um, not Harrison Ford, but you um, like Aiden, I know, whatever. Um, he was cool. No, <laughs> what was this? <laughs> no, like it's you're real name. me forget people. Oh, you mean Woody Harrelson? Woody character? Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. I'd like Woody to see Harrelson that. Woody Harrelson, and also um, from from Westworld. Um, why am I losing everyone's name? Well, she names? died. That might I be it. I <laughs> understand, but I, what I'm saying is, I like that. Yeah, she, she was had great. a character. Yes. She actually had a full like like. A full. She was in the movie yes. for for a minute and before that happened. Yeah. So, my point is, there's a Zoe. million. Wasn't that Zoe? No, that's not Zoe. No, I said Westworld. Yeah, I know, and I always get them confused. I always did Zoe Saldana and that actress confused, and I'm terrible for that because y'all don't look alike. And I'm Tandy not a, Newton. Tandy Newton. There we go. Yes, and I mean because she got murdered off. But so that's what I'm saying. I do not need to see a solo too. Like that for real, folks. Like y'all Star Wars fans out there, be really. 
irking me sometimes with like what y'all are trying to demand from this franchise. You know, like we are going the other way. Let's keep going the other way. You know, we had look. I grew up on them shits too. It's just interesting to me though that like we have so many franchises that do not listen to the people in terms of when people say we want more inclusion and diversity and this and this and that. So many franchises and fandoms that legitimately just ignore us Mm -hmm. and kind of do what they want to do and keep it status quo. With Star Wars, you actually have the, the full weight and backing of Disney doing something different. And for people... And honestly, the only people who are upset, to, to be real clear with you, is a certain group of people. Yes. And also, you like you said, the people who are stuck in the past who, yes. who don't want to get out of it. But I just, you know, I just like, you guys are so hypocritical. <laughs> like, the, the the people who are just like, oh, we want to see something different. And then when they give you something, they're just like, put it back. <laughs> it's like... Jim and Thrones viewers. Um... <laughs> well, no, that's different. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. And, it's, and that's a loaded... That's a loaded... I know. And a lot. You know me, I just like throwing that, you know, throw it out there. Just like how you how you said a little blip about Star Wars and covered it up with more... Uh, excuse me, for Star Trek, and then covered it up with more Star Wars. <laughs> um, like you, you notice that, y'all. Like Ma- Mandalorian drops this November. See? <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. John but what about that Star Wars? <laughs> well, what about it? Uh, um, also, you know, real quick, I want to give a big, big shout out to this film. I got the people on Netflix this week. See you yesterday. It's a time travel movie featuring two young black children, or not children, teenagers. It's yes, children. Yeah, uh, you know, your ass is a child till yeah. you till you twenty one. That's yeah. only on paper. I was calling the young woman um, in the new Terminator trailer. A young girl today, and I was told, "No, that's a young woman." I'm like, "Look, she's 15. I'm grown." If you, if you, that's a child if, to if, me. My whole thing is, yeah. if and again, this is only on paper because there's no, this a lot of people are not adults. Yeah. But 21 and under, you're a child. Thank you. All right, so two children, and see you yesterday. Young, young adult, young adult, young child, young girl, young man. But at the end of the day, you a child. Yeah. Yes. It's directed by Stefan Bristol and written by Stefan and Frederica Bailey. And it's a really dope time travel movie that takes place in uh, I want to in New York, and it features these two young, super smart black people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away anything more than that because it does, you know, time travel it has a lot of twists and turns. It pays homage to Back to the Future and other mm-hmm. time travel movies, mm-hmm. but it's really well done in general. I thought it was really dope, and I just feel like it's just not getting enough. Enough shine. Love. Like, yeah. you know, today on the show, we have Allison Williams to talk about her new movie, The Perfection, which is also on Netflix. And Netflix is just like, they drop these, like, they have such varying degrees of quality. Like, I think See You Yesterday and The Perfection are both excellent films that could have been in theaters. But then Netflix will have these other movies that aren't so good. And I've watched a lot of them. You know, a lot of these original productions, mm-hmm. I try and watch pretty much everything that yeah. comes out on Netflix. Because, you know, it's right there. Why not watch a movie? But it's like, they don't really promote either, I have feel. Like, I feel like they'll just drop stuff. So I just want to give a shout-out to CB yesterday. If you haven't peeped it yet, make sure you go peep it when you're watching The Perfection. And, you know, I think it's about time we just uh, get into this interview with Allison Williams. Yo. Yo. Make sure y'all go see the art. Turn on your—you don't have to go anywhere. Turn on your Netflix. Watch The Perfection before you listen to the rest of this interview. Spoiler alert. Full-on spoilers. We're going into everything that makes this movie great right after the break. And what's up, y'all? And welcome back to the For All Nerds show. I know you've been enjoying this episode, but we are about to get turned up in here. We have a special returning guest to the spaceship. Woo! 
It's been a while since she's been here. The last time she was here, we were talking about, you know, a little movie you might have seen called Get Out. And now she is returning to talk about her new film, The Perfection, which has dropped by the time you hear this, already on Netflix. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so make sure you go check that after you listen to this because we're going to get into all kind of spoilers and destruction about the movie and everything. But for now, let's make some noise and welcome Allison Williams to the spaceship. Hello. Hello. I'm sorry. I talked before you said my name, which feels like it's not uh, Everybody does it. It happens. Yeah. yeah. You start laughing, cracking jokes. <laughs> and I'm like, you haven't really been sorry. introduced yet. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. I've missed you guys so much. Thank we you. We spent time with each other off the show. Yes, yes. But, you know, magical moment. This isn't the last time we saw each other. Yes. No. But I'm very happy to see you guys. What was that place? I've been... The ship. The Lore Lore Fish Bar. Yeah, that was delicious food and a great vibe, everything. Thank you for, you know, introducing us to that place. You're very welcome. I have not been back since. Have you? No. No. But we all... (laughs) But we all love it, so we can agree on that. (laughs) It's our special place. We can only go there together. There we go. (laughs) Sounds Um, great. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, the last time we spoke, you know, you were doing Get Out, and you expressed to us that the roles that you take, you only want to take them because they mean something to you. And, you know, you told us that unless you have something to say with that role, you didn't necessarily want to be a part of it. So with the perfection, what exactly... (laughs) <laughs> what are you trying to say? First of all, I love that you're like, we have receipts from what you promised. <laughs> and here they are. And we'd like to cross-check them with your choices. Because I, I just want to make it clear, like, we pay attention to what people say. I know, show. it's great. Yes. And I pay attention to what I say. Yes. And I'm delighted to hear that because that is still the way I think about these things. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Are we, I just need to establish some, like, ground rules yep. Yes. Are we spoiling? Go right ahead. For everyone listening, please go watch yes. The Perfection like, on Netflix right now. We already warned them. Okay, yes. I just, I want to reiterate the warning. Like, yeah, it is so much more fun if you have no idea what's coming. This is so true. Yes. Because I was clueless and it effed me up. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. In like a fun way though, right? A great okay, way, yes. Um, fun is a weird word about this movie. Uh-huh. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we will, we'll get into that. So yes. I... I think this genre keeps coming up for me because psychological thrillers have no rules. There are no rules, and which means that you can get into any kind of subject matter in a way that people aren't used to dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we deal with some really serious issues, which are usually dealt with in kind of a straightforward, dramatic way. And I think that by turning on its head and completely fucking with it, you're able to get people to talk and think about it in a different way direction just because it's unlike all the other conversations they've been having about it mm-hmm. so um i i always ask as i said to you guys mm-hmm. why this why now why yeah. me and why this i felt like richard shepherd who directed it reached out to me to read this script i worked with him on girls for a million years i really love and respect him and we've always wanted to work together i love his sensibility it's wild and i read the script and i could not tell where it was going i was so intrigued and i just I thought the world of it when I finished it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I read it in one sitting. I believe it. And yeah. And so I just thought this is very cool. Um, why now? The movie gets into a lot of things that we're talking about right now. Power dynamics very broadly. There are some more specific implications of that that I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also just like the idea of perfectionism and millennial women and all kinds of stuff that just like comes and goes throughout the course of the movie. And the movie doesn't linger on it. It's not like we are asking you to think about this right now. We're going to hit you over the head with this she idea. You don't ask us anything. No, it <laughs> just like, goes on. It's like, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I love. And um, why me? I just, as I was reading, 
intriguing. Charlotte was so intriguing to me. I had to understand her. And I loved the idea that the movie works best if it starts off and you don't trust her. Mm. And I knew that after a little movie called Get Out, <laughs> you got that in a bag. Yeah. Major head start. It's like me and Joffrey Baratheon. We were like, <laughs> you know, yeah. we could have played this part. And so then also I knew that when Logan Browning, who's brilliant in the movie and is a, like a delightful, angelic human being, mm-hmm. uh, when she showed up on screen and it was the two of us together, people would be like, no, absolutely not. You are not going on a trip with this person. Like, get out of that bus you are not safe and so and I knew that would help propel the movie forward so it checked all of my boxes and that is why um yeah to answer that question yeah and it's funny because once again because I know you personally you know and you're such a cool person in real life and everything I was like oh Allison's the good one in this movie (laughs) you know again again I get fooled this is also why like I was like waiting for him to speak when he was like you know doing his 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 his, you know meditative pause yeah I was just like Ben, did you realize what was going on from the beginning? He was just like, oh, that's Allison, my friend. You know, everything's great. And I'm like, Ben, I mean, she's playing a character. You know? like, I'm like, no, Allison is good. I was like, I was well, it wasn't a documentary, so. Yeah, right. yeah. The point that you made about not trusting the Charlotte in the beginning, like from jump straight, I was like, don't trust her. Yes. She said something's wrong, da 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 da. And Ben was like, oh, how could you think that? And. I'm so grateful. And, and, he, oh, and, really. he, and he was so sincere. So I, you know, I just thinking of all the other people who are watching this who are just looking at you like, you know, they're transferring. And I don't know how you feel about that when people start transferring characterizations from other roles you play into the, your new ones. And it's just like, is that helpful or a hindrance? Honestly, I for a lot of years while I was on Girls, I saw it as a hindrance because all yeah. the script people sent were basically the same character and I just thought like oh this is kind of a bummer I'm not really going to be able to break out of this idea of a character until I play something really different Mm. I played Peter Pan that's really different but it was sort of so different that it didn't really catch on until I heard from Jordan Peele who saw me play Peter Pan so he knew I'd do anything and then saw me on Girls so he knew audiences would trust me and was like she's perfect (laughs) and but Jordan is the person who taught me that you can in a meta way you can like use the way you look and people's perception of you publicly in your performance as an actor, because in 2019, there is less and less separation of that for actors. We don't like disappear into roles anymore. I never forget that there's a movie star on the screen when I'm watching something anymore. And maybe that's just because this is my industry, Mm -hmm. but it's very hard for me to like completely get lost in something and not think about the person who's holding their phone three feet away. Mm. It's just hard. I know who they are. I know who they're married to. I know Mm. what their kids look like. Like, it's just weird. And so rather than fighting that, Jordan gave me this idea to like use it. And so then when it was time to find a movie after Get Out, I realized that that's where I was now in the in people's minds. I was someone that had fooled them once badly, badly, <laughs> and was the most evil person they could imagine. And so I thought it would be great if I can find something where I start off and people are very suspicious of me. Because if I were playing like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, which obviously life dream, people would immediately be like, I don't know, maybe you and Gaston deserve each other. Yeah. Like, I'm not rooting for anything yeah. good to happen Beast to you. Beast runaway. Right. So I thought, yeah, save yourself. Honestly, it's not so bad what you got there in the castle. Like, you've got a talking <laughs> candlestick. Candles. Yeah, it's all good. So I thought that it would be cool to use that to fuel another movie and I'm kind of hoping I can just keep doing that so right. in that way it's a very long-winded answer to your question rather it's actually something that I think is exciting to me as an actor rather than a hindrance and okay. 
for this movie, from the time that the trailer came out to when people see the movie, I have had to just sit in, much like I have for the last couple of years, the idea that people sort of don't trust me and are trying hard when they're around me to separate the person I've played from the person who's sitting with them. Right. But I do see that struggle. Like, in interviews, I feel people, like, leaning away from me. I understand, and in a way, it's a compliment, <laughs> right? Because yeah. Get Out was so... Jordan created this world that felt so real, even yeah. though it was so heightened, that people feel that sense mm-hmm. viscerally. And I don't want to disrespect it or discount it. I'd like to operate within the boundaries of it is I guess what I was trying to say Tatiana looks so skeptical (laughs) (laughs) no what you know what I I was thinking in my head about when we when we posted the trailer on our socials Uh we got a lot of engagement I think I can probably predict what most of it was my favorite comment yes oh god this was this woman Allison Williams Love scaring the shit out of black people. Oh, God. And we're here for it. Oh, that took a turn. And that was a sentiment, like, throughout. Interesting. I was just like, like, honestly, this is not a movie that I would naturally gravitate towards. I'm just like, oh, no, this is too much. It's, it's too, like, as you mentioned, psychological thriller. It's just a little bit out there for me. It's not necessarily something I would watch. But because it was you and because of your track record that, you know, what people have seen that you've done and, and as we mentioned, you love scaring the shit out of black people, but it's done in an entertaining way. So a lot of people were just like, they just want to be close to it anyway. They want to check it out. And I felt the same. I was just like, you know what? She's probably going to be amazing in this. Oh, that's so nice. That's really, honestly, that was a very nuanced sentiment. Oh, yes. Especially for Twitter, yeah. where I thought nuance died. <laughs> yeah. That was really, yeah. because honestly, it's not, um, and obviously once you've seen the movie, we made a deliberately confusing and misleading trailer, mm-hmm. no, leaning into that idea. Oh, yeah. um, yes. Once you, now that you've seen it, if you rewatch the trailer, you'll realize just how much. It's yeah. all lies. It's yeah. just like an MCU trailer. It's yeah. all lies. Yeah, so it, it um, yeah, exactly. It was uh, something that we realized was just going to be the response to the trailer. Um, and especially the moment where I'm pulling the knife out of my bag is so like the keys moment and get out. And we just decided rather than fighting it, we were just going to lean into it. And, um, so yeah, I had to, uh, I've had to sit with the idea that people might think that my like pet hobby is just as, as that (laughs) Twitter user said, scaring the shit out of black people. Um, but I like to scare the shit out of all people. I'm an equal opportunity creep. (laughs) All right. There's a lot of different themes in the film, like yes. you were saying. But one of the major ones that hit me personally was the idea of loss. Yes. Like Charlotte's dealing with the loss of her mother, but also the loss of her opportunity to be a star, the loss of her innocence, and more mm. importantly, the loss of her innocence in yes. childhood. So was that something that drew you in, and how did you relate to it? A hundred percent that drew me in. I When I set about actually preparing for it and figuring out who Charlotte was, it is a, a process of like inside out. First, you have to... Co- figure out who the person is when no one's looking. Right. At their core, who are they? And then you build out the things that they want other people to see about them and other people to know about them or don't want to know. Um, and at her core, that was a huge thing. You're so smart. You're the first person to pick up on this. It was such a big <laughs> thing. No, this is why I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. Not only because we're friends, but because you're so smart when you we think about attention. movies. Yes. I know, exactly. It's an insane thing. Maybe you, you had know? a single screen experience. Oh, like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so Journalist. I. Yeah, exactly. So the. the um, <laughs> the, yes, the, sorry to pivot very weirdly in this emotional way. The loss of all of those things was very high on my mind. Mm. I was trying to picture this person who was so serious, so young, 
and really got just, you know, those blinders they put on horses. Like she was not allowed to look at or pay attention to anything else. And there are so many ramifications to that. She's stunted in a lot of ways. And it makes it easier for her to obsess on this one moment in her life in a stairwell and harder for her to process anything else that's happened to her right. and to figure out and use full judgment and and to talk through it with someone. I don't think she's ever – my guess was that I think she told her mom and her mom basically had the response of, this is inconvenient information for me to have. I'd like you to – I'd like this to not be true and I'm not going to believe it. Mm. So I think she had a really non-allied mom and felt totally isolated in yeah. her experience. And so I just figured she felt – completely alone in the world except for this one person who she knows she has a terrible thing in common with and that sense of loss just combined with the sense that she may have a lot in common with this person who is really to her a stranger fuels the intensity of that this is what I need to do I need to make this right and I will do whatever is necessary literally to make this right Mm. So then, like, something else I noticed was, like, the absence of the parental units. Like, we see, yes. you know, her mother, and then we see the new prodigy's parents very briefly. Yep. Right. Um, we don't see Lizzie's parents Ever. at all. Yep. Yep. And Charlotte's mom is only in the last stage of her illness, and she's basically, you know, not there. Right. And so it's like her mom is both her savior and her anchor because she, you know, gets her out of that situation by getting sick. But then she's also this, you know, ill person who she has to take care of and everything. Right. Yeah. So... Like, are the parents as much to blame for what happens to them? Or or are they seeking their own perfection, like, through their children? Well, I think that's an age-old question. Actually, I was thinking about that a lot with the Michael Jackson documentary. And Mm. while the writers were writing this movie, they were watching The Keepers on Netflix. And that was about the nuns in Boston and the kids in the Catholic Church. And and anyway, so it was highly influenced by that. And basically, this is something that sadly is a recurring theme. Children who are because they're told they're special, isolated from their parents in the means of propelling them forward in a certain realm, um, that happens all the time and it makes them so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so you you feel pulled in different directions. You can't blame the parents for being so thrilled that their children are excellent at something and wanting the best for them. And also that obscuring their ability to see very clearly what's happening to their kids or hear them when their kids are saying something doesn't feel right or seeing beyond what their kids are saying if their kids aren't saying that. So it's just a very complicated sort of gray area. I don't have kids, so I can't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can with any authority speak to this, but yes, excellent point. And, you know, I wanted to like kind of drawing back to that point that we made about how people view you and, mm-hmm. you know, that actually also leads into this film too, because there are some, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it overthinking it, but there may also be some racial components here because when you see first um, Charlotte, she gets replaced by Lizzie, um, who's a young black woman, and then she gets replaced by a young Asian woman. So, you know, was that casting intentional to to kind of bring that as a point? Or do you do you have any thoughts on that? It sort of went the other way around. We cast a very wide net for Lizzie. Okay, Logan was spectacular. Yeah. So we cast her and then we went back into the script to make it all to bring some of that nuance in and to acknowledge it. Like my number one concern from the very beginning after we cast Logan was I cannot, we can't have any white savior stuff happening. Anytime there's a line where Charlotte's saying, I was trying to save you or whatever, then we need Lizzie to say, you didn't save me. You made me cut off my own hand. (laughs) Okay. 
I appreciated that because that, we put that in there for that exact reason. Okay. That line is there for that reason. Because I caught up on that real fast. I was yes. just like, she didn't save anything because you kept exactly re- not you, but Charlotte kept repeating it. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Oh, but I'm helping. I'm helping you. I'm like, bitch, you yes. cut off my arm. Exactly. Or my hand. So exactly. I, I'm. Thank you for. No, no, that. it's not overthinking. This is. I am the queen of overthinking, and this is what we spent a ton of time thinking about because okay. she's the best for the role. And we wanted to, I mean, there are certain things in the movie that we sort of want people to just accept and move on. Like their relationship. They are attracted to each other. They have this bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask, like, is it a queer movie? I would never, I'm going to let other people decide what movie it is to them. Because I think there's a, it's like a kaleidoscope. There's a million different yeah. ways to see this movie. Yeah. I'm not going to put a label on it. And we didn't put labels on our characters. So we just sort of, it happens and we move on. But we wanted to be very deliberate about how how we showed it and what we're communicating with it. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for the fact that it's an interracial couple of girls and that they are in these situations together. I think it's even more alienating for Lizzie to be in rural China without being able to speak the language, to be a black girl in a a situation where she is sick, where you're already feeling vulnerable, to also be something so foreign to that population. When we were there shooting, she felt that way as well. Sure. Um, and so yeah. it's it's peppered throughout that when you're when the p- passengers on the bus are looking at her mm-hmm. and you see the way they're looking at her, it's in those expressions. Yeah. And so that we all did. Uh, Logan, Richard and I sat down and very, very carefully sort of combed through the script and made sure that nothing felt clunky or like it was either pretending that this isn't a thing or wasn't yeah. using the fact that this new dynamic was emerging from the casting. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, no, for real. And then, like, so how much of Charlotte's plan and story that she tells Lizzie is true? Because she tells her she's a virgin, but, I mean, obviously she's, you know, been through her own trauma. And at first when I saw it, when I walked out, I was like, okay, maybe she was lying about that. But then I realized she'd been through this trauma, so why would she go and, you know, find a relationship after this? But was, is it all true, or is it some of it because she needs to get closer to her. In my, oh, in my thinking, she that is an honest statement because mm. of mm. what she considers what they just did. Yeah. Right. She feels like it's in a completely separate category from what she's been through in her mm. life. And she also yearns for it to be in a different category from what she hopes that Lizzie is also feeling the same way. That this is in some way separate from what she knows they've both been through. That doesn't deserve to be lumped into what just happened. They are deeply connected to each other. They're attracted to each other. They're expressing it that way. It should bear no resemblance whatsoever to what they both went through as, as kids. Yes. So um, I think that's why she answers that question. It never felt dishonest to me saying it. And I, she is being totally honest with Lizzie. When you watch it again, mm-hmm. I hope, if I've yeah. done my job right... It will all look right. It all checks out. Mm. I worked really hard to make sure that she wasn't lying to Lizzie in a way that wasn't informed by the fact that she knew Lizzie wasn't going to be able to break the spell on her own. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime she did anything duplicitous, it was because she had to do something insane to be able to make sure that Anton rejected her when she knew that Lizzie wasn't going to reject Anton. I couldn't get over that that was the dude from Wings. <laughs> Isn't that perfect, though? Because you, you see him in the beginning, and you're like, oh, I missed that guy. And then you kind of, you don't expect him to show up again, which is crucial to the movie. Yep. Because at first, we kind of wanted people to think it was a contagion movie, and then mm-hmm. suddenly we were going to be in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And we wanted people to forget about right. Steven Weber altogether. And then he shows back up, and you're like, wait, we're in Boston? Yeah. What yeah. movie is this? Yeah. No, you guys invited so much, like, swerve in the movie. Yes. All, like, from the dialogue to the locations to, to your point of what is the actual topic like yes is this a contingent movie is this as you mentioned is this a queer movie is this 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 is that it's 
you know, as a as a mechanic, I think that's brilliant because especially when nowadays where you have things like and this is on Netflix, but you have things like Netflix where people could just sit there and watch a whole story. Yes. And kind of just figure it out really quick. And then because they've been consuming so much, people start figuring out how stories work or mm-hmm. how these shows work. So they so tend to true. they tend to preempt a lot of the a lot of the uh, movies and TV that they watch. So what was interesting here is no matter how many times I try to preempt things, it switched. It's impossible. So, you know, and are you going to want to, I think you might want to keep doing that more often. I love doing it because <laughs> I have the same experience. I mean, yeah. we watch so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about it deeply. It's our industry adjacent to, I mean, it's like a passion, right? Yeah. But even for other people, to your point, I think something that frustrates viewers now that there's so much content is something that's too predictable. Yes. yes. They both want to be happy, they want fan service, and they don't want to know what's going to happen, which is an impossible line to walk, as we've learned from two major franchises recently. Um, <laughs> anyway, that aside, that's a much longer conversation. Um, so I think, yes, it's exactly right. What a pleasure to sit down and watch something and realize very early that you are not going to be able to anticipate where yeah. this is going. Because you just can't. And there is something real about that, about humanity. There's no, if two people are in a situation, the finding an objective reality of what has happened is very hard when you have Mm. two people who are in their own minds, having their own experiences, and also are portraying themselves slightly differently to the world than Mm -hmm. who they are deep down. So then you have like a layer of masks and stuff like that. That's life. And most movies outside of this genre don't feel like they have the room to explore that. Because if you're a genre, if you're a drama, we kind of need to think we know these characters from the beginning and then the events are dramatic. But in a psychological thriller, you can have people questioning the characters. You can have people questioning the plot, the timeline, what's happening, where is someone mm-hmm. lying? All of that is in the mix, which is so much more fun. Like, it obviously invites repeat viewings. And um, certain things that I was thinking about, because I haven't got to see it twice. I only saw it the first time. But now I'm, like, thinking back, and I'm like, okay, when she vomits on the bus, everyone else, and even then when I was watching, I was like, these people don't seem to be really caring that she just threw up maggots. Yeah. And then you're like, you realize later on, oh, she didn't throw up maggots. So what was it something that you yourself caught on a second viewing? Well, it was more like the second reading. Yeah. There were all kinds, oh, my gosh, let me see if I can come up with an example. Um, I just think... uh, Oh, this is going to be too hard. Let me see if while we're talking, I can come up with something else because okay. I don't want you to have a bunch of dead air that you got to do. No with. problem. But there are so many things like that. You're looking at the, I mean, they are having a reaction to vomit on a window, but yeah. somehow it is different from reaction to maggots in vomit on a window. <laughs> yes. And it's true. There's all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, oh gosh, second viewings. Yes. I, and let me get back to that. I will okay. be able to think of something. Okay. Well, um, something else that really got me was the loss of Lizzie's hand. Because as a oh, DJ, yeah. Yeah. like, um, I don't <laughs> know if you've ever seen it. this movie. It's uh, Blood In, Blood Out. It's not a very no. good movie. It's about these Mexican gangsters. But there's this painter. And at one point, he gets his hand slashed. And it, I could not deal with it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, what are you talking about? You know? And I was like, no, you don't it's understand. It's your life. It's my life. Like, I understand what it's like to work with your hands all day and then someone lose it. So, like, and then what really got me was how effing visceral it was. Everything was so graphic, but not in, like, a gratuitous way. It no, was it's just, just like, this is what would lo- it would look right. like, and this is what would happen. I mean, when she slid the knife through your arm, it... <laughs> well, that's it. He freaked out. I was just like, oh, I was fine. And he was like, how could you be fine with that? And so, like, arm and hand-related injuries well, are really your Achilles heel. Yes. Out. But yeah. it makes sense. I mean, can you imagine... You are the Logan describes her as the Misty Copeland of cello. So she's made this whole part of, you know, art 
interesting and cool and has brought it into the pop culture. She's like in New York Magazine. She's cool. She goes to parties. She's probably mm-hmm. at the Met Gala. Right. So imagine you've gone through that whole thing in your career. You're just minding your own business. You're in Shanghai judging a competition. And the next thing you know, the thing that makes you, in your mind, who you are, because you've been at this conservatory where they've stripped you of all of your other identity, is gone. What that would trigger in you. And um, also imagine someone is asking you, would you ever leave? And you're like, no, that is my, it's my my life. It's my family, as she says. It is everything to her. There is no way... And she says herself when she's there with Paloma and Anton, I've lost everything. She took everything from Mm -hmm. me. And that's not an exaggeration. It is 100% true. And that is, it is, it becomes a choice. What happens now? And you can't force someone to reckon with their past in that way. But you can, Charlotte is hoping, try to save them from future damage and give them an opportunity to make it right. Yeah. Make it better. Yes. Anyway, I'm really sorry. It is really traumatic as it should be. I mean, it's a desperate measure. It is a desperate move on Charlotte's part. And she is not, I don't think, operating with the same judgment that the rest of us are. She's kind of singularly focused, obsessed with this. Yeah. She's unable to really zoom out and get total perspective. And that was weird as an actor, actually, was knowing that she wasn't making a perfect series of decisions. No. Not even close. (laughs) Not even. Yeah. And that's why that scene with where Lizzie is just wailing on her is so important. Mm -hmm. Like, she's just saying, she was going in. And I was just like, I mean, she does need to be kicked, though. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was was with Lizzie. Exactly. And I was just like, I mean, you do what you got to do. She she took your life from you. Exactly. And it's this torn moment where she's like, but also. Right. I think it's at the end of the day, all the characters reacted um, realistically. Like yeah. while there were a lot of traumatic and crazy things happening, their reactions were realistic. Their reactions were something that me as a person, that was me, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd probably do the exact same thing. Yes, exactly. So I, you know, I appreciate that. Um, and the other part that I appreciated, um, like, you know, since we're talking about cut arms and hands and, and, and hair as well as we saw. Yes. Um, what I feel with actors that, that, do the best in their job, their craft, is when they eschew vanity. Now, I... Huge fan. I I wanted to talk to you about this. (laughs) Because right now, you're fabulous. Thank you. I'm in the middle of a press storm. We were talking about, you know, Claire Underwood and her wardrobe and all that stuff. And, you know, know, all that stuff. But in this movie, like, like, that's not... The, like vanity is not it like it's there because both you and Logan are, are beautiful women anyway but like that's not the focus here no. and then you you guys both of your characters devolve when it comes to the vanity part so if you if you just give you an example like Viola Davis when she there's a scene in um, How to Get Away How with Murder, murder when Love she, that you know, scene. she took off all her makeup and stuff like that and you're showing vanity to show a different side of that story or a different side of that that um, emotion um, Chris Hemsworth when he you know he had put on a fat suit and all those other stuff to kind of bring all that down if you will the vanity part so you know what is it what are your thoughts about i am i feel like i owe girls a huge debt of gratitude the first time i was on camera on girls i was wearing a retainer i was asleep my mouth was open and i had no makeup on and that was the first time i was on camera and it was on hbo for everyone to see and it just completely stripped me of needing to look perfect on camera or pretty or even trying to and then it got to be a bonus when like Marnie was dressed up for something it was very exciting but I never had that feeling that for me to feel proud of myself on screen I need to look as great as possible I've never married those two things in my work it would be nice to do a movie where I'm wearing you know a couple more costumes or maybe have you know where I'm playing someone really glamorous yeah Yeah, okay fine why not but but if it's gonna get in the way of the story absolutely not and Mm -hmm. I think that when women decide to 
make themselves look as nice as possible is also very interesting. And it's something that I talk about with the hair and makeup department and with the costume department all the time in these movies. For The Perfection, for example, that, you know, when she's sitting at her house, she's just falling apart. When we see her in Shanghai walking around, she's more casual. When we see her at the party, she's wearing a dress that was given to her by yeah. the you know Anton who wants her to look a certain way as we see later in the movie likes to think of her as at a certain level of glamour and she's putting on this costume basically so that she can pass in this community that she's always spent all this time in at the end we see who she wants to be in her own skin in two different ways one is when she's ready to kick ass <laughs> and the other when they in their defiance come out at the end and do their duet together and they both they're he is not looking at them, so uh, they are he's doing not looking it. At anything. No, they're like they're doing it for themselves and for each other, which I think is so beautiful. And so again, as part of the process of building a character, I like to think like, how do they feel beautiful? How does she feel yeah. totally comfortable in her own skin? Yeah. Who who is she when she takes it all down, or when she's just in her kitchen chopping tomatoes? What is she wearing? What does she look like? What feels real and honest? Yeah. And um, if you're not totally ready for the world to know who you are and what you've been through, there's a still a certain amount of artifice that is at play, which is shown by the wig. And when you're mm-hmm. just ready to live honestly, yeah, yes, you're just like, <laughs> screw that. that. It, was, it was shorter. <laughs> I did. As someone pointed out yesterday, that's like a pretty automatic GIF. Yeah, it is. Yes, definitely. Just whipping it off. It's fine. Happy to contribute <laughs> to the culture. There you go. Um, yeah, wig off. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's to be like top yeah. search it right away, you know. <laughs> Um, on Lizzie, though, how far gone was she when Charlotte attempts to rescue her or say or get her out of this situation? So they have this conversation after the concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Charlotte has probably been doing her research. This is something we talk, we all talked about. She's yeah. been reading articles, as she mentioned. She's been watching Lizzie's career really closely. We initially think that's jealousy, mm-hmm. that she's just jealous of Lizzie's success. But actually, it's just, does she know is she getting help? Is she going to break free from this? Is she aware of what happened to us? Um, and I think that's what Charlotte is trying to assess when they're on the balcony. And she says, do you ever think about leaving? Mm. And Lizzie says, never. I could never. It's my family. This work, this special work, it's what's expected of us. And she just sounds like a robot. She sounds like Paloma. She sounds like Anton. And in that moment, Charlotte, when you watch it a second time, I hope, I tried to make a facial expression that the first time you see it is just like, oh, I'm just looking at you. And the second time is like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to make this girl cut off her own hands or something. She's trying to figure out how am I going to break this spell, basically. Because what, what the part that got me was when in the final scenes, when Lizzie's like, let me get first. And the other teachers are like, oh, okay, like she's done this before. Yeah. And so would you say that that's how far gone Lizzie is? We, um talked about this but I think Logan made her own actory personal decision mm-hmm. and didn't tell me so I don't know the answer to that oh. but I don't think that she is a I don't think that she's in the ranks of enablers in that way I just think that she knows how it works obviously mm-hmm. sadly but she's not an instructor so no no yeah <laughs> I know I know I know he was so disturbed like I was just disturbed in general but he was just like why else yeah, no, I mean, it was, like <laughs> no. I said, the hands and arm stuff gets me, but then also just the whole idea of somebody, you know, a child being put through that is the fu- most disturbing Can't shit. Can't do it with the yes. fucking world. Yes. And, yeah. so, and yet it happens. It's crazy. There we go. 
what would your past childhood self think about where you are now as an actor? Fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> Just fascinated. I don't know if I if we got into this first time I came on the show, but I was just about the most sheltered child. I was lucky enough to have a childhood where I was really the age I was the whole time. Mm. I grew up in a very safe place. We, mm. we didn't need we didn't need for anything. Uh, we, it was a totally like um, I got to run around outside and feel safe and like yeah. happy. And I went to a great school and all of this stuff. And I was only allowed to watch public television until I was like twelve or thirteen. Wow. So the first oh. R-rated movie I saw was Forrest Gump, and I'm still not okay because <laughs> it just really. If I went from like Barney to Forrest Gump, and that's a big leap. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, so it's Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it was that a big, it was a big deal. So I think, um, I think that my younger self would be. She'd have a lot of questions, first of all, and second of all, she'd just think it's so cool that I, my job is to be an actress. She would just think it's the coolest thing in the world because it's all she wanted when she was little. Sorry to talk about her in the third person. That's a little strange, no, no. but yeah, I mean, literally, I just spent my days dreaming of being able to do this. All right. Well, it makes sense. To, it makes sense to talk in the third person. That you're not that same person. Well, yes. Although in some ways you are. Like yeah. d- deep down, you still that. Like, when I need a gut life. check, I ask. Like I try to ask myself, what would, what would that little. What would PBS Allison yeah. say to this? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it is interesting. I would never have predicted it. Obviously, because you, there's no way you can. Yeah. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But I would not have said, okay, I'll probably start, on an HBO series that requires. A lot of things of me that just completely break down any sort of nerves I have about vanity, to mm-hmm. your point, yeah. or like uh, sort of prudishness or whatever it is, and fear or ego, any of that. And then I'm going to do a, a horror movie about race, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to do a psychological thriller about all the things. All and the things. it's just, it's I couldn't have predicted it, but just so lucky. Mm-hmm. I just feel really lucky. All right, so it looks like we're going to have to wrap up this, but you have survived. Oh, my gosh. I survived? You guys are... (laughs) (laughs) You survived. You looked... You had fear on your faces. (laughs) No, no. I had fear after seeing the film. Yes. Yes. I'm always happy to see you. I know. Likewise. I'm so grateful. Honestly, I was so looking forward to talking to you guys about this. I hope you keep emailing me thoughts because I learn about yeah. the stuff that I do from talking to you guys about it. I don't oh, think yeah. I'm ever going to make something without coming and talking to you because I learn a lot. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, it's Appreciate true. It. Do we have time for Brap? Or... Yeah, we do. All okay. right. Well, when you have survived do it. our interview segment and it is now the Brap segment. All right. The rapid fire questions. And they've changed up a bit since you were here last yeah. time. But yes. let's start off with something. Uh, oh, boy. And we're going to go fast. We're going to go like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm Luke ready. Cage or Black Panther? Black Panther. All right. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. Magneto or Professor X? Uh, oh, I, I do know who these are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but only vaguely. I'm just going to, it's a coin toss. Uh, Professor X. There we go. Mike Myers, Freddie, or Jason? Hmm. Jason. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Fresh Prince or Martin? Fresh Prince. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. You didn't even have to finish asking. <laughs> it raised me. Thank you. Post PBS, I just. So, are we going to get Allison in space? I would love to go. Listen, <laughs> put me anywhere. I'll do it all. I would love to go to right. space. You mean like with Elon Musk or like as a character? <laughs> not with Elon Musk. Because that I am not. No, I like our Elon. atmosphere too much. Yeah. I'm really good down here. Yeah. Elon is not invited to the cookout. So, no, no, no. not, not, not at all. No. But. 
no, he's a little on that other side. But um, no, just like in general, like I would love to see you in like a sci-fi. Your lips to God's ears. I would love that. Mm-hmm. I really, I would love it. All right. Uh, favorite superhero movie of all time? Of all time? Yep. Well, what 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 can we fit under the superhero category? Whatever you consider whatever, a superhero. You a superhero yeah. Oh man. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is so boring to listen to. Um, there's so many. I would say, uh, you know what? Tom Holland as Spider-Man yes. just makes me so happy. Yes. That might be my answer. Yes. So I, anything Tom Holland Spider-Man related. Uh, yes. yes. I feel you. I yeah. miss him when he's not there. Yeah. When he shows up, I'm fucking delighted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when the whole movie's about him, I just was I had a smile on my face for the entire time. Yeah. I couldn't believe it because I was like, yo, I'm so sick of seeing Peter Parker. You know, no. and then he showed up, and I was like, he "Fuck, can, I can watch Tennis." It's totally new. It's right. a, it is right so good. I, I really, I yeah. could too. And yeah. I've had the chance to meet him. We were both very early to the Oscars the year Get Out was nominated, Aww. so we just spent like an hour backstage just pinching ourselves that we were even there. And then we we're like, "Okay, I'll see you later." Yeah. <laughs> like he's later so in our careers, adorbs. he's so wonderful. He's a delight, and he's the perfect Spider-Man. Awesome. He's so adorbs. I love him. Um, who was your first geek crush? I don't know if this is geeky, but I deeply loved in like perhaps a more than in a way that I thought I was going to be able to make happen for myself. <laughs> Han Solo. That's oh, super geeky. That's super geeky. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's geeky. He's not. It's not like C three PO. That's weirder. That's like some cyborg thing yeah. that would need to be worked through. Yeah. But um, yes, I loved him. They re-released Star Wars. I think I was like eleven at the mm-hmm. time, and I just was like, "That's it. That's my. That, there's my husband." So now I just yeah. have to find him. And then I learned that he had grown up since filming Star Wars and Just our age gap was yeah. wider than I thought but I thought you know what we're gonna make this work Anne Heche step aside at the time it was Anne Heche it was pre Callista yeah. I watched very closely his dating life and um, <laughs> you know we've gone our different ways but I'm I'm at peace with it I wish him the best I once saw him in a, I was DJing in this bar in Washington DC and it was you know it was DC when DC was still like really DC so it was all black people in the bar mm-hmm. and it, and I'm DJing downstairs and somebody said y'all I heard some fours upstairs I'm the biggest Star Wars. So I'm like, fuck out of here. You know, run upstairs. It was yeah, him yeah. and two other white guys standing at the bar drinking Budweiser. And all I could do was stand across the room and be like, oh my God, that's fucking Harrison That is Ford. exactly what that's would happen. That's all I could do. That and is exactly like, what would happen to me. <laughs> then I'm way back downstairs. <laughs> someday, <laughs> no, nothing. someday we will be at an event yes. and someone will tell us that Harrison Ford is there. Yes. And the you two of us will stand shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> speechless, <laughs> and stare at him and just be thrilled to be alive. I'm so happy. I'm yeah, just like, exactly. oh my God. It's enough. It's Which enough. is so funny to me because both of you guys are in Hollywood. So yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> that's it's your different. people. I didn't give it's shit. different. I'm not his people. Oh, no. He's a different He's people. Level yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mr. Ford? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Uh, what character death hurt you the most in comics, movies, TV, books? Well, the one that hurt me the most to watch to watch mm-hmm. was Oberon, it has to be. That was brutal. I still feel that vis I can like feel I that in my body. It. You did? No, the second time when I rewatched it, as soon as he as soon as the mountain trips him, fast forward. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that is very wise. Yeah. For some reason I've fully watched it, yeah. eyes wide open, ironically, twice. Um <sighs> emotionally right. the one that has hurt me the most emotionally. Oh, I mean I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Who's, uh, I, I'm still just in the game. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. So I'm trying to think who hurt me the most emotionally. I'm going to seem heartless. Uh-huh. 
It's going to be one of the dire wolves <laughs> and not a Stark. <laughs> because, not listen, no. No. I wish they had made more of the dire wolf magic. Very, very late into the season, I became a member of PETA. I was just like, leave those animals alone. You know, let the dragons go. Where are the wolves? Like, I understand. Drogon, in the end, was like, you guys are driving me nuts. I'm just going to take care of this. <laughs> yeah, and out. then I am out. <laughs> yes, I'm out. Brand, oh don't God. find me. Yeah, if y'all. Um, yes, yeah, so that made me sad. What was your thoughts on the finale of Game of Thrones? On the finale? Of the season, excuse me, series. I know. Um, there were some unbelievably beautiful moments that like everyone has acknowledged. The When uh, Drogon is taking off behind Daenerys, it's yeah. unbelievable. When Drogon, I guess they're dragon related, when he's like casually shaking the snow or the ash <laughs> off of him outside <laughs> oh, of the so Red Keep, it was, it was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, is my TV explode? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I thought... I watched the first episode last week in preparation for the finale because the last two seasons have really just felt like an answer, a call and response Mm -hmm. to the first season. And I realized that in the first episode, all of the Starks who are remaining by the end in some way declare what they want or are showing us what they want out of Mm -hmm. life. And it happens. Yep. And so in that way, you know, you see Bran climbing to try to get the best view of everything. And now he's the three eyed raven. He has the best view imaginable. You see Arya. I'm not that kind. I'm not a great lady. Mm -hmm. That's not me. Um, And she just wants adventure. She's shooting the bullseye with the bow and arrow. And that's where she gets to go. She's going off to, we hope, beat Christopher Columbus to America and be like, oh, you guys have a good thing here. I'm just going to Homer Simpson into the bush (laughs) leave this place. You guys are great. This is a great little spot you've got um and then you've got i don't need to keep listing everybody but you know sansa saying it's literally all i've ever wanted to be queen mm-hmm. now she's queen of the north which is even cooler than yeah. being queen with joffrey i mean i just think in that way and john won't shut up about joining the night's watch and he won't shut up about wanting to die i mean yes he got that too and then we did him the great disservice of bringing him back to life i don't know i could really talk about this forever but i am in that way as a fan of all of those characters yeah Glad that they are getting the lives that they wanted. They've been through so much, mm-hmm. so much pain, and they've all grown in the fact that, to our conversation earlier, the, who they were when they were little, especially, yeah. you know, Bran and Arya, they get to become in a more fulfilled way as adults. So, in that way, in a what happened sense, I feel okay mm-hmm. sending them off into the world. Do I feel like there's unfinished stuff? Yes. Did I want to see, did I want it to be Arya under John's face? A little bit. Mm. Um, yeah. There were just all kinds of things that I was, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you never know. I mean, what a challenge. Holy shit. I'm so glad this wasn't my job. <laughs> I so mean, can all, you like, imagine? Like, like, even like something like uh, Avengers Endgame and Infinity yes. War, which I'm a huge fan of. I was like, not, like I, I'd love to work in the Marvel Universe. I'd love to write a film, direct a film, but not that one. <laughs> right. <You Yes>. <laughs> and they came a knocking, and yeah. you said, no, no. No. I'd have, you would I'd say have, no. I wouldn't say no, You'd but I'm like, God damn it. Yes. You <laughs> Twitter poll every page of the script. Everything. You guys all going to be happy if this happens. <laughs> oh, but, gosh. you know, it is a thing. Like, with storytelling, it's the Tyrion has a line in the finale that He's said everyone writer. seems <laughs> to be mad, which means it's a pretty good compromise. Or no one seems happy. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I feel like yeah. they wrote that into the episode to his, talk to us. His whole speech. Like, yes. ask me in 10 years if this is good. Yes. You know, don't ask me right now. Yes. Ask me in 10 years if the show is any good. Yes. Then we can talk. Yes, uh, His exactly. whole speech was straight to the audience. Yes. Like, stories. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my God. You should you should see the comments we got. <laughs> um, but rounding this out, and you've answered this before, maybe your answer has changed. Oh. If you can have any one superpower, what would it be? 
I cannot remember what I answered before, but this will be a good test. Okay. Was it sleep related? No. <laughs> it might have been. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because I am so bad at sleeping mm. that if I could pick a superpower, it would just yeah. be to be able to sleep. sleep. So you want to be in, Snorlax? In any, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll be a Pokemon. Pokemon. I'll take a Pokemon any day. I would like to be able to sleep in any location. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly and also wake up really quickly. That for that would do that do it for me superpower wise. I know it's humble, but <laughs> I've got a life to live and apparently you need sleep to stay alive and I'm having trouble achieving that. I love, so. I love this. I'm a humble superhero. Yeah. Man. I just, <laughs> I'm just really good. I'm really well rested and I can help you guys with whatever else you need. Oh my God. Allison, thank you so much. We always thank you have for having me. a fantastic time with you and I love that you're so open and honest with us amazing time for the viewers and everybody listening before you go just let everybody know where they can find you uh anything you're you're having coming up okay um i have been so bad at being on social media in theory i'm on instagram at aw but i'm really not and it's just because i don't have that instinct to take pictures of things i'm not i just the instinct went away and i don't know how to bring it back Mm -hmm. it's i need to go on a hero's journey to find my ability to take selfies again um (laughs) But uh, I just shot a movie that will be out next spring. I can't really talk about. And then, yeah, nothing else I can really talk about. But I would tease it if it were, like, exciting. And I will come talk to you about it when it's real enough to talk about it. Word. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. You guys are the greatest. Thank you for being the watchers of the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more fun on our show. New episode title. (laughs) Watchers Watchers on the the stuff. Hey, I'm Malcolm Lee, director of Night School, and when I'm not directing, writing, and producing, and editing and spending time with my kids, I'm listening to For All Nerds. What's up, everybody? This is Chuck Creekmer, a.k.a. Jigsaw from AllHipHop.com, and when I'm not placing my heavy hand on the world of hip-hop culture, I'm watching For All Nerds. Hey, this is Pamela Ribbon, and when I'm not writing things like My Boyfriend is a Bear or Ralph Breaks the Internet, I am listening to For All Nerds. Hey, this is Kelly Robbins, Hicks, executive producer of Random Acts of Blindness, and when I'm not making white people mad as hell, I'm listening to the For All Nerds show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Asante, one-third of the Friend Zone, and when I am not smoking pot or playing Shinobi Striker, I am listening to For All Nerds. Tune in. Folks, once again, thank you to Allison Williams for coming in, talking with us as always about your projects. We love having you here. Make sure y'all peep the perfection on Netflix. I'm sure you already did, like we told you, because that interview was filled with spoilers. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to that without watching it, you just ruined the movie. So don't do that. You know, make sure you go watch it on the perfection on Netflix right now. Definitely one of the illest and weirdest movies you will see this year, and one of my favorites so far. So thank you once again, Allison. And now, folks, it's time for one of my favorite segments on the show. The Guac is Extra. The Geekly Asked Questions. The Guac is Extra, where we answer each and all 
that even right? Gra- <laughs> grammatically? Who cares? We answer all your questions if you send them in to us. Contact at forallnerds.com or you can hit us on the Twitter, on the Instagram at forallnerds. And if you are one of the few to proud, the members of the Patreon com- community, mm. the fan fam, patreon.com slash forallnerds. If you contribute at a certain tier, you can <laughs> ask anything. Anything is possible on the Geekly Asked Questions. And what do we have up first tonight? The first one comes from Alicia Shanice. They write, hey, since Game of Thrones ended with mixed reviews on the series finale, mm-hmm. what are some series finales that you all thought were questionable? Wow. Um, this is a great one. That's a really great question mm-hmm. because... I've seen people have talked about what did they feel like was a great series finale, and one I kept seeing come up, which I've never seen, is Avatar, The Last Airbender. Oh, Avatar was amazing. Yeah, it's funny because my mom actually watched that shit because my nephew and nieces got into it. Yeah, it was so crazy. Really? Like, like when they were like, my nephew and nieces were like probably about 10, 11, whatever, when it came out, and they watched it. And so I remember coming home one time, my mom, mom was like, yo, I watched all of that, and it's one of the best series I've ever seen. I was like, really? It, it, it really was, though. <laughs> I still haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to get into it. So I keep hearing that. And this is an interesting thing because, you know, obviously, you know, shout outs to Castle Black Pod at Castle Black Pod. You should be following. You know, we've been distressing the whole Game of Thrones. And I didn't hate it. You know, as y'all heard on the final episode or the, you know, the final episode of Castle Black for the season where you ain't mm-hmm. done yet, I was like, yo, it was, it was cool. You know, and but I'm one of those people who thought Sopranos ending was brilliant. I thought the lost ending was okay but because Lost was such a f- incredible show I didn't mind you know yeah. it's like the the journey was worth it um breaking bad I think is an incredible ending yeah the wire I think is an incredible ending but all of those I've heard criticized like I know people hate sopranos and I thought that was yeah, genius no, I just like I said I wasn't it just wasn't in my wheelhouse at the mm-hmm. time, but I remember all of the. I was one of the people, like you know, the people now who like I don't watch Game of Thrones. I was yeah. one of those I don't watch Sopranos, and, type, and yeah. also didn't have HBO. But anyway, even <laughs> real. <laughs> but I just heard like lots of people like, "I can you believe that happened?" And da da. I just remember going online and just seeing mad articles talking, people talking about, "I can't believe they just ended it with a blank screen. What happened? What?" It, like I just remember a lot of vitriol. So you know, I, I don't recall anybody actually being happy. Yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was the most genius idea ever, and it's one of those genius ideas that once they do it, no one else can do it. So it was like, boom, killed right. it. Um, you know, I, I guess I feel like I've been blessed to not be watching a series that where the ending is just like, well, except for Game of Thrones, where the ending is kind of questionable. Um, I mean, I've read a script where the ending was questionable, but that's another story. Yep, done that. Um, <laughs> been there. I'm not, I'm just with you. Like, I... Uh, I'm with you. Like, oh, well, you know what? Um, House of Cards. Um, okay. It ended kind of flat for me, but mm-hmm. that's also because there was all the weird situations yeah. going on with Kevin Spacey and then, and, and, you know, what they had to do about with his character and how they just, like, it, it, it was just a little bit different. So it wasn't bad. It was just like, okay, I guess, girl. It's so wild to me, like, how Hollywood can get things out of the paint now. Like, how Kevin Spacey is just out of the paint. As he should be. I mean, as he should be. But, like, we are not going to see him again. Probably not. And yet, America can't ban assault weapons. Like, you know, well. it's, like, it's not that difficult to get rid of things that we don't need anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm just saying. And now you know. <laughs> yeah, the more you know. All right. Our next question comes from Urban Gaijin 13, a.k.a. the Nightlight King. Urban Gaijin. Gaijin. Yeah, Gaijin. 
See, that shows you I'm a Gaijin because I don't even know how to pronounce it. I was about to say, you it. know what a Gaijin is. Yeah, that, that just shows you right away what I am because I don't even know how to pronounce it. AKA the Nightlight King, my hero academic probation. Yes. Very nice. I like that one. Love my, my hero academia. By yeah, I've been, I've been meaning to get into that Please one. Please do. I've been meaning to, yeah. That's so another emotional. One. Yeah, I've heard. All right, they asked. I love the A4 scene in Avengers Endgame, which is one of many scenes I marked out for. I marked out for. Uh, okay. I marked out for. Like you mark out in the Oh, scene. okay. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Which with that I said. I got it with that. But with that said, I got into a debate with a Caucasian comic reviewer for coming. <laughs> yeah. For coming at a black female comic creator for having an all-female team of diverse women with powers, calling it sexist, racist, and fastest. Oh, God. I looked into the project and debunked all his assumptions about the project my question is in 2019 should male comet fans white or otherwise feel some type of way at the depiction of strong women in color of comments especially indie comics also i love you guys and castle black is dope fuck no uh <laughs> Herping got you. oh my god to the hell to the gnaw i mean there's not enough hell gnaws in the world for me on this one y'all motherfuckers shouldn't feel any way about anything male comet fans and and what he said specifically well, he said two things. Male comet white fans, fans and just otherwise. male fans. Yeah, yeah. male comet fans. I'll, I'll put you all on it. Shout out to Rodimus Prime who says the uh, straight black men are the white men of the black the community. community. And I fully fucking 100 agree with him as a straight black man. Like, we abuse our power almost as much as straight white men do. And so shut the fuck up. To keep it simple <laughs> and plain, like, if you're a man in comics in 2019, read what you like, talk about what you like, Comments I copped is a great hashtag you can use. Right. And then just be quiet. Don't complain. End of story. If you don't like something, keep your mouth shut, especially if you don't like the way a particular story is going or whatever, debate that, talk about that all day. But if you are mad because there's an all-women shot of all the characters in A-Force in Endgame, keep it quiet. Like, I don't even want to hear shit. Well, I do think that um, male comic fans, white or otherwise, should feel some type of way about the depiction of strong women of color and the fact that you want it to happen more often. I think you should be vocal in mm. wanting to be, um, uh, to, to use a, a overused word, to be an ally in that space and want to make sure that more of these opportunities arise for creators of color and 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 particularly in this case black women um you, if you the only type of way you should feel is where is is there more of this and how can we help put more of this in the forefront and further i i, I cannot stress this enough a person that is that that is part of a person that is in a system that is typically the oppressed cannot be a a racist. They cannot be sexist. You can't be like you. If you are of the oppressed, how can you become that? Like, it, it, so I I always have a problem when someone's like, oh, she's being this black woman over there is being racist. I was just like, do you understand how racism works? Shut up. Like, there's no such thing as reverse racism. Like, we could do several episodes on that, but let me just say that clearly. There's no such thing as reverse racism. Unless you are part... Racism, especially in America, is a systemic problem. Like, unless you are part of the system, you cannot be racist. Unless you have the power to oppress people, you cannot oppress. You can have your own prejudices because everyone has prejudices. You know, I don't like bacon anymore. I stop eating pork. That's I'm a prejudice towards bacon. But I can't be racist towards bacon. I have no power over it. Like, I don't have, you know, power to stop people from eating pork. That just doesn't happen. 
But people have power to stop other people from getting jobs, from having opportunities, from doing these things. When white men especially are out here complaining, a lot of times they get listened to before everyone else does. So when you're out here complaining, talking about, oh, there's too many people of color and too many women in my comics, Marvel even is sometimes listen to y'all mugs. So like Tatiana said, stand up. You know? I, I'd rather you stand up. And, and, and let me give you a prime example, a real-world example. That's not comic book related, but a real-world example of, of how much privilege some of you guys have. Um, there is... There was a story out about a white guy who he has like maybe six warrants out for his arrest. And I don't know whether it's violent uh, crime or anything. It doesn't matter. The fact is he has several warrants out for arrest and been trying to get out. And he has negotiated with police that if he gets like 15,000 likes on his mugshot that he'll turn himself in. And the police said, okay, now whether this is (laughs) now I thought this was a joke, but apparently it's for real. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping it's a joke, but th- this is what I'm talking about when I'm just like, do you really think that I or Ben I mean or any of, of us of, of this nature would be given that option? Hell to the fault, no. Uh, I'm getting me some trim, so I'm going to turn myself in around 2 o'clock. Does that work for you? <laughs> right. Right. Now, if, if you guys go, and like I said, I, I, I read this a few days ago, so it may have been something that's been debunked. <laughs> but the reason why I bring it up, because it's not far from the truth. And it's not far from, and, and, and also it's not far from a lot of stories that you guys have known growing up. In the in, in in the past, in the present, and in the foreseeable future. So I mean, like, let's let's get it together. Y'all. And even in the geek community, let's take it back. Like I mentioned earlier, I saw it today on trending on Twitter, make Han Solo two, and I clicked on it and saw that there was a podcast full of you know what type of people, and they all had T-shirts and shit made up. Like these motherfuckers had T-shirts, make Han Solo two. Like, nigga, who gives a fuck about yet another white man in Star Wars? Like, let's be for real, dog. Like, that was so insulting. Like, anyone knows those people, I would love for them to contact me so I could, you know, have a full-on discussion and explain to them what the hell that, you know, y'all spent money to make T-shirts. That's what kills me. Like, that's the type of arrogance y'all have, or the type of energy that you could do, yo, put a black woman at the forefront of Star Wars. That could have been the T-shirt. Nah, but you know. We right. need yet another bland-ass white dude. No right. shots to Aiden, whatever. He was cool. He did a great impersonation of Harrison Ford. Right. I mean, you know. And and I just wanted to, like I said, I, I, I'm a purveyor of the truth. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be sure, like I said, I, I would hope that this wasn't true. This story that I had just mentioned about the guy in the mugshots, and it's, mm-hmm. it's 100% true. God damn it. 100,000% true. Oof. So. Oof. All right. Uh, our next question comes from... Tia B713, who asked, well, actually, let me get these AKAs right. Yes. Rare Essence of Nightshade, Quiet Stormborn. Yo, that Rare Essence one's hilarious. Yeah, and Fifty Shades of Grey Worm. They asked... uh, This is actually more of a Castle Black. Yeah, regarding Game of Thrones, first of all, Castle Black was so funny this season and made an otherwise okay season so enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you very much. At Castle Black Pod. What up, Portia? Portia says thank you. All right. Now that it's all said and done, what were your top two favorite scenes and top two favorite ba- top two favorite seasons and top two favorite battles? Mine were season four and six, and my favorite battles were Hard Home and Battle of the Bastards, of course. Can't wait to see what's next for Castle Black. Neither can I. <laughs> uh, hopefully someone takes it over for me. Because <laughs> I'm done. Now, my watch is in there. I'm walking off like John no, after he came still, back to life. No, we're still going to uh, we're still gonna have episodes about the um, the documentary. Yep. Um, and then, like we said, whatever happens after that, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, we got some plans. Um, I think my 
Wait, is, is loot train considered? Is that loot train? Yes. Battle considered? Is yeah. that That's not hard home. No, no. Hard um, home is when John drove to the north to, the to north. try yeah, to yeah, save yeah. the wildlings. Mine's were the loot train and then Battle of the Bastards in terms of favorite fight scenes. And then my favorite seasons, I again, I don't remember what number yeah. this was, but my favorite seasons were a season when, um, the season with Arya training to become, Ew. I mean, because I just love yeah. Arya. Okay. Um, her. And then, I don't know if I have. Uh, oh well, probably the season where Joffrey dies. That's a good one. I think that was season three. Uh, my favorite is definitely one because Jamie pushes my man out the window, <laughs> thus starting him off on his path to become king, and prove me right about who's the hero of the series. So obviously it's number one, and you know the final season because you know Bran was crowned king, and oh, so the final season would you would consider one of your favorites? Oh yeah, I mean, look, I said it on Twitter, and I had people coming at me. Yeah, all right, let me let me let me say this clearly for fans of the show, y'all. Let me let me let me be real clear to y'all. So I, I, I love y'all. You know, I love when we interact and stuff. But look, if I say something on this show or if I say something on Twitter, please don't come at me and say I don't think you really mean that. I fucking said it, dog. I meant it. I don't say things I don't mean. When I say that Jamie is the hero of the story, I mean it. Not only is he one of the major protagonists of the story, because in classical terms, he is driving the story. He makes things happen. He mm-hmm. starts off pretty much everything, making him one of the big protagonists. To me, he is one of the most heroic characters on the story. He goes through the most heroic redemption of pretty much anyone in the story. So please don't question me when I say things like this. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to have to mute y'all. I love y'all. That being said, you know, like I said, my favorite was season one when he starts off. And yes, the latest season. As rushed as whatever as it was to y'all doing Castle Black, seeing these memes, making these jokes. This is the fucking one of the greatest seasons of television I've ever seen. Like, I couldn't, I'm so hurt now because I know every Monday morning I'm not going to wake up to a slew of dumbass jokes, you know? <laughs> I yeah. love the memes. Yo, did you see the brick? Lived. The brick that said, tell Cersei I did it? No. <laughs> did you see Drake? Did you see Daenerys saying, Brick Harris? <laughs> <laughs> no. Tell Cersei I did it though. It was just a brick. <laughs> like, like that's what I mean. This is the greatest season I've ever seen of any television show. This shit is unbelievable. Honestly, are we going to talk about the greatest season? I think it's more so the season of the watchers, the viewers. Yes. That like. But that's what it all comes season, together. Season eight of of the live tweets. Yes. I fucked with him. Yeah, heavy. The season eight of the live tweets and the memes and all that, that's what I fucked But see, it wouldn't have been that great if the season had been, you know, exceptional. No, it's shit. First of all, this is Castle. These are most of the members of Castle Black. We're going to get these jokes soft. Y'all can have, I'm going to let any of y'all know now, creators or otherwise, y'all can have the most immaculate project. We will find a joke. Yes. We will find one. And that's why you just got to roll with them, you know, instead of being like, I shot that. I know it's not too dark. Nigga. <sighs> All right, so yeah, my favorite seasons were definitely the first one and the last one. And favorite battles, definitely Loot Train, because I've been waiting forever to see them dragons go off yes. like that. And sorry, but once again, the burning of King's Landing, because I've been waiting to see that motherfucker go off right. like that. Right, and that's, see, the only thing is, I wouldn't consider that a battle. It was a slaughter. <laughs> it was a, and I loved it. It was a terrorist attack, <laughs> yeah. to be clear. Um, um, but, no, I, I loved it. No, and, and, and let me be very clear. And that golden company, like, when they wait, right. and then was, they get blown the fuck up. I was actually going to name that as my favorite, one of my favorites in terms of fighting, but just because, like I said, it ended up not really being a fight. No, but it was still so great, because, like, the golden company, they're like... <laughs> 
Like, like y'all hype these niggas up so much. Oh, my God. And then they just get blown apart. It's like one of the greatest things I've ever uh, seen on television. Well, anyway, <laughs> this is how we talk on Castle Black when we're talking about Game of Thrones. So yep. I, uh, if you're into it, you want to hear more, make sure, again, that you guys are subscribed to For All Nerds. That's the only way you're going to be able to listen to Castle Black and all the rest of the amazing stuff that we have on our show. Mm-hmm. And Tia B also had a question because she says she recently, or they, re- well, I'm going to say she because, you know, well, they recently <laughs> bought their daughter. Thank, thank you. For- yeah, they recently <laughs> bought their daughter a comic book, their first comic book ever. And they were asking, which leads into our next segment, comics. I come. so loud, you guys. I hope your, I hope your volume is not on. 20. It'll be good. You know, we got Brother Chris, the super engineer, making sure everything is crisp and gonna clean. going to make you louder, bro. Yeah, thank you. You know, put that <laughs> reverb. You know how I like it? Like that double uh, vocals, R&B double. That's my favorite reverb. <laughs> <laughs> that Tupac effect. <laughs> yeah. Remember Kato? But, um... <laughs> so, anyway, in Comics I Cop, we always talk about what comics we're copying. Make sure you use that hashtag, Comics I Copped, on Twitter, on Instagram, on all your social medias. Thank you so much, as always. And to Tia, what comics would I recommend for a young woman? A teenager. They did say that their uh, daughter is a teenager. Right. So, I would say... Um, a child. Yeah, a child. <laughs> a child, still. Depending on how old of a teenager and how exposed to the world they are, I would highly recommend Paper Girls. Because it's not only that, it's a comic that uh, you can read along with your daughter because it takes place in the 80s. It features four young women, and it's like, it's kind of like Goonies, but with girls, but with time travel, with space, with aliens, Mm. with all this insanity thrown in. It's only gonna. There's only one more trade coming out, so right. it's gonna be thirty issues total. I don't think there's any cursing or anything in it, if I remember. Like, there, it's something mild. If yeah, that. if that. There's, there's, there's definitely sexual tension, and that's one thing I would say. There's a lot of exploration of like sexual sexuality. Yeah. There hasn't been sex, but like you know, gay, straight, all that stuff is discussed. So if your child isn't ready for all that, that's the one thing I would say. There's no actual sex in it. But I think as a teenager, you're exposed to all those things already. So I think your child should be ready for it. And I think Paper Girls is something that they could read. For us, slightly younger or even, I would recommend Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which is coming to an end on issue 50. That was announced today, so there's only going to be 50 issues of that. Hmm. And The Unstoppable Wasp from Marvel. I haven't been reading it, but that joint's one of my favorite because it features this super smart young woman, also Shuri, another super smart young woman, Shuri mm-hmm. from Marvel. I think Tia actually picked up Shuri. I think that was the first comment they got so if you're reading shuri i would definitely recommend the unstoppable wasp because i read the first issue two issues of that i need to catch up because it was so goddamn good it was just one of my favorite series with this super smart girl and how they display her intelligence was so dope is is tia the same person as quiet stormborn on on the patreon because that's what you said we were talking about shuri yes and all this yep yeah for her daughter's birthday okay so it was shuri yep for her daughter's birthday nice all right very nice yeah, I would definitely recommend Paper Girls, uh, Unstoppable Wasp. Ooh, anything else that I could think of? Oh, what am I thinking? Naomi from DC that we've been talking about from the last few. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, Naomi from, it, it's a new comic from DC. The trade is about to drop. Make sure you pick that up. Naomi features this young African-American woman who, at the beginning of the series, she's adopted. She lives in a very small town in the DC universe, and nothing ever happens in her small town until one day Superman and this alien Mongol come bouncing through the town during the middle of their fight. It lasts like 10 seconds, and then they're off, you know, bouncing away, keeping fighting. She even misses it. 
But all her friends are like, yo, you missed it. And so then she's like, yo, why the hell did they even crash here? What was drew them here? So she starts investigating why they're there. Mm. And it leads her to find out that who her real parents are. And a lot of it's like basically it's written by um Brian Michael Bendis and David Walker. And they're like exploring they're exploring the history of the DC universe through the eyes of Naomi. So if you've never read DC at all, it's a great entry point. And for someone with a young teenage daughter, I would highly recommend it. The dude, Jamal Campbell, I've never seen his stuff before. He's the artist. It's fucking insane. It's beautiful art, really well written. Naomi's one of my favorite new characters of 2019. That book, I would, you know, it's going to be on my top 10 books of 2019 easily. So I would definitely say pick that joint up. Um, also check out, again, I haven't gotten deep enough into it where I can tell you whether or not there's certain levels of violence or sexuality or whatever in it. But hit up Livewire by mm, Vida Ayala. Yes. Just just incredible story, uh, you know, about what I call a technomancer, um, a young black girl who can con- basically control all types of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not going to give you anything else beside, beyond that, but definitely read that. Um, very good story. Yeah, and Valiant, that's from Valiant Comments. Yeah. And Valiant Comments is their own self-contained universe, like DC, like Marvel, but it's much smaller than DC or Marvel, so you don't need to know as much going in. And Livewire is one of those series that you all you need to know is like what Tatiana just told you. Yep. Black woman, techno powers, and boom. Get into it. Get into it. So definitely Livewire, Naomi, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Paper Girls, uh, no, un- unbeatable, uh, Unstoppable Wasp, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. All dope series, all featuring young women. And hell, I guess that's it for comments like Cop this week. I do want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Jonathan Hitman dropped some new information about his new X-Men series, House of X and Powers of X, which are dropping this later this summer. They're canceling all the X-Men series leading up into it. Yeah. So these will be the only two X-Men books after they come out for the foreseeable future. They're both miniseries which will launch into the next generation of X-Men. Hickman is one of my favorite writers ever. His run on Avengers and Fantastic Four are legendary. His independent comics are amazing. I talk about his joint Black Monday Murders, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Dude is effing dope. So I cannot wait to see what he does with the X-Men because he got me back into Avengers. If you've never read his Avengers run, it's so ill and influenced a lot of what you saw in Endgame and Infinity War. Well worth picking. Right. And one more thing before we leave here, um, in terms of, of recommendations uh, for your daughter, um, Stranger Comics, Niobe, She is Life, mm. um, uh, starring and also uh, co-written by Amanda Stenberg and Sebastian Jones, is basically about uh, Naomi, who is a young elf. She's actually half elf, half human, mm-hmm. and the struggles that she goes through with that. Um Definitely, if you're into fantasy, if, if your daughter or anybody's into fantasy, or you're not even sure if they're into, you just maybe want to introduce them to that world, definitely a great way to start. Hell yeah, and a great book, definitely. And it's, uh, I think it's been an option for a film now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to, you know, like everything. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yeah, pretty much. Everything has a film. Everything. Uh, so that is it for Comics I Copped this week. Make sure you're using those hashtags, Comics I Copped, on all social media. Thank you to everyone who's been using them. Before we get out of here, though, also the Terminator Dark Fate trailer dropped today. I didn't even get to watch the trailer yet. I just, like I said, I just keep looking at um, Sarah Connor. I keep yeah. looking at that one photo of her. And she looks great. Yeah. Uh, people, old man, oh, excuse me, old woman Sarah. Old woman Sarah. People seem more hyped than I am. It, uh, it's directed by uh, Tim Miller, who did Deadpool and Deadpool 2. 
which have their great action moments, but then I really, as everyone knows who listens to the show, I dislike Deadpool 2 because of the way it treats women. Mm. So it's interesting to me that he's doing a film where it's like the women are the center of it because of Sarah Connor. There's a female Terminator who's come back to help protect her. Uh, Diego Luna is playing the new evil Terminator who's coming to kill Sarah, Sarah. yet again. <laughs> this movie ignores the other Terminators. It's, Which it can. Yeah, it's only it's produced by James Cameron, so it's only taken into account one yeah. and two. Terminator uh, one and two. I mean, Terminator's timeline and, and, and bearing no, of cool. time is all fucked up anyway, so... And you can literally do any story and be like, it doesn't matter what yeah. happened before. you like, all right. Yep. So it ignores the other ones, which I like because Terminator 1 or 2 are my two favorites. The rest have been varying degrees. Even though I never watched that TV show. So you never watched the one with Daenerys as Sarah? No, I saw part of it. Ooh. 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 It was okay. Yeah. I watched it, but it was like, I didn't watch it. It's one of them movies where you could turn on and do something else. Yeah. Like just have it on in the background. That's what I did. And the yeah. one even before that with uh, Sam Worthington. Yeah. I had to think about that hard. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, Avatar. Avatar, dude. No, no, I, yeah, now yeah, I know. Yeah, he did a Terminator. Um, that shit was boring. Yeah. And then the one, the third one was cool when it ended with the nuclear war and they all died. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, it was so great. It was the one, it was like... What? Uh, yeah, the third one, A Rise of the Machines, I think it's called. It's, oh, I never watched it. Yeah, it's like where John Connor's grown and it shows, like, he tries to stop Judgment Day from happening and fails and has to hide in a bunker because Judgment Day happens and then, you know... Like the so world, the way the movie ends is the nuclear war that kills so most they of humanity. Don't make it. No, so he makes it, and then he has to start the you know fight. So <laughs> that one was cool because that one actually you know works with the first two. Then after that, they just started you know. Because at this point, timeline don't matter. Like Jeremy, bear me. <laughs> Shout out to uh, the Good Place. Everyone watching one of the best shows on television. But yeah, Jeremy, bear me timeline. Squiggly wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not that hyped. I don't know. Comes out this summer. We'll see what happens. Well, you know, I'm going to check it. It's Terminator, though. Come on. I would bro. like to see the new T-1000 or whatever the model number of is. The Diego it. Luna. It, it, I just want to see what does, his, is this Is this some hot, like the the most hottest shit I've ever seen in Terminator is the T-1000. Yeah. Point it, blank. It ain't. It ain't top of that. What? No, it, it looks like his power is like to duplicate himself like at one point. That's like, fine, but I mean, is it uh, like T-1000? No, no. And that's my problem. Like, T-1000 effects still look incredible to this day. And when I was watching the trailer for this, the effects just looked cheap. Gotta make, gotta make, gotta make your body wet. I'm, I'm bringing that up because remember when the... <laughs> when they did a T-1000? Yeah. yeah. That looked better than this shit. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, I mean, they spent like $3 million on that fucking Buster video. Buster yeah. was T-1000 at one point. Yeah, bro, they, so. they better, you know, that shit better look good because they spent mad money on that video. Yeah, but nah, I don't know. I just you know I ain't I ain't you know I ain't really hyped for it. You know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Ringing though. endorsement, but four old nerds. Yeah. Let's just watch and see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll be there. Anything else before we get out of here tonight? As always, make sure you are subscribed to us everywhere you listen to podcasts. I cannot stress how important that is that you guys subscribe. We've seen our numbers jump significantly in the last couple of months, and we thank you. That means you guys are doing your part in telling all your friends and fans, your own fans. I know you guys got fans, family, friends, all that other stuff. Please, again, make sure you tell them to subscribe to For All Nerds the podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. That's the actual tagline that I mean. Um, <laughs> it's according to, from the perspective yeah, of... I, I don't know where those words came from. <laughs> but 
You can find us everywhere you find Better Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, places like that. Make sure that if you like what you hear when it comes to Forum Nerds, Castle Black, and all of those stuff in between that you can, and if you have the means, support us financially. Hit us up on patreon.com slash forallnerds. Choose a tier that you like the best and the tier that jibes with you know, what you like to see in life. Um, and we would appreciate it. And and just overall, make sure that you're listening, that you subscribe, and that you are interacting with us on the socials at For All Nerds. Mm-hmm. And I am at DJ Benamine. I'm at Tatiana King. And thank you very much to Allison Williams for joining us. Make sure you peep our movie, The Perfection, now on Netflix. You know, we know you already watched it because you've already listened to this whole episode and you didn't spoil yourself. Or you're a psycho, psycho and you just want to spoil yourself. I mean, <laughs> whatever you like. Fan Bros. Hey.